Welcome to the Wish Well Podcast, a women's integrative summit on health and wellness. A podcast hosted by Dr. Michelle Dang, a board-certified anesthesiologist and pain management physician with additional fellowship training in integrative medicine. This podcast will feature weekly episodes with women from all walks of life discussing their health and wellness journeys. everyone, it's Dr. Michelle Dang with the Wish Well Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. I am super excited to bring this week's guest to you all. She holds a very special place in my heart, and I will tell you a little bit about how I met her um, in the beginning of the episode. So this week's episode is Compassionate Leadership with Melissa Smith. I want to tell you a little bit about Melissa. She is an Alzheimer's and other dementias caregiver advocate, a mindfulness educator, a yoga 500-hour educator in restorative and sustainable yoga, and international retreats facilitator. She is a native Texan, which is how I met her in Texas, and she currently lives in Santa Fe, New Mexico with her husband Richard and her son Drew, where she operates a boutique studio, Pranava Yoga and is the executive director for Caregiver Wellness Retreat. This is a nonprofit that hosts free day-long wellness retreats for caregivers of Alzheimer's in Houston, Santa Fe, Park City, and Calgary, and also now online. Please go check out the Caregiver Wellness Retreat online at caregiverwellnessretreat.com. And you can also find out a little bit more information about Melissa and her yoga studio at pranavayoga.studio. I am so excited to bring Melissa on this podcast. She has uh, been a dear friend of mine for several years now since I took her restorative yoga teacher training. And I love all the things that she's doing. I hope that you give her a follow, check out her website. If you like what you're listening to, please remember to swing by on Apple iTunes to give it a rating and a review. And remember, every week I will bring on new guests to the podcast. So if you do like what you're listening to, please just drop me a comment and let me know. And I will talk to you all soon. Please remember to stay safe and to stay healthy and keep moving. Hi, everyone. It's Dr. Michelle Dang with the Wishwell Podcast. I'm here today with someone very near and dear to me, Melissa Smith. I met Melissa about, I think, about five or six years ago when I took her restorative yoga training course. And through the years, I've done some private classes with her. Anytime she's in town in Houston, I try to um, make it a point to go to her workshops. And um, so she's a very special friend of mine. So welcome, Melissa. Thank you. Really happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. So we're just going to jump right in and get your thoughts on what health and wellness means to you. It's a big topic. And um, I strongly feel wellness is not necessarily one specific thing. It's really a conglomerate of everything. Um, So we can't just focus on exercise or just focus on eating right. I mean, it's really the whole package, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So that mental, emotional, and physical well-being 
to me is, is really what wellness encompasses. And I would say a, a second layer to that is um, not only right, the obvious physical aspects of wellness, you know, the, the, the layer underneath it, the emotional well-being, because if that piece isn't together, then we don't have a connection to exercise or we don't have a connection to nutrition. Everything has an emotional element to it, which inspires us to want to improve our well-being. So I think that's an important component. Awesome. And um, I know you, Melissa, as uh, my yoga teacher, but can you kind of tell us, uh, for people who may not know who you are, your journey as far as how did you come to be a yoga teacher and what have you done in the last, you know, several years? I know yeah. it's a big, big I I came out of a fitness, um, out of the fitness I hate to use the word industry, but from a fitness background, um, started teaching fitness when I was 17 and never really looked back. So it has been a staple in my life to have this component. And when my oldest, when I was pregnant with my oldest 20 years ago, um, I, I started uh, doing prenatal yoga and then shortly thereafter was, was kind of hooked I still didn't quite get it though. I didn't really get that it was a little bit more than just the physical, um, mm -hmm. that it had more components to it. I remember my very first Shavasana and mm -hmm. uh, I, I left before it <laughs> and jangled my <laughs> keys as I went out the door. Mm -hmm. So, and now here I am, you know, 20 years later teaching people how to do Shavasana. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. No, it's full circle. That's so been a very long journey. And throughout this journey, you have traveled so many different places and your yoga practice has evolved in terms of what you're teaching as well. So can you kind of talk us through, um, you know, you, you said you mentioned you started with prenatal yoga, but now you do so much more. So I'd like, I'd like for you to share all that you're doing. Yeah, well, right. Um, you know, I, I did start actually with prenatal yoga and then and dove into teaching very basic and beginners. And then, then I moved to Malaysia and had my second child. Uh, so from moving from Houston to Malaysia, and I was fortunate enough to um, have an amazing teacher training there in Kuala Lumpur, uh, which was really a fantastic foundation and, and started teaching more prenatal yoga um, instead mm -hmm. of taking it, teaching it um, uh, at a really fantastic place that really specialize in moms and babies. And so when I lived there for almost five years, that was predominantly what I did. And then we moved back to Houston and I dove into a much more stronger practice. So I did a lot of vinyasa, mm -hmm. uh, acro yoga, got my acro yoga certification. Um, mm -hmm both level one and two back when no one was doing that <laughs> and, then, and it's the um, thing now <laughs> and, it, and everyone is doing it now and I'm not doing yeah. it any longer um, mm -hmm. but but what I took from that really diversified my practice it helped me understand um, the strength component to yoga and also what I think is really fascinating about an acro yoga practice is that 
you you have weight, you know, another person's weight on you. So there is this this concept of pulling and pushing, which by yourself you're not getting. And so when you utilize movement by adding load and um, increasing your adaptability, um, you know, everything gets stronger and more flexible. So I think the foundations to having that practice were really beneficial for kind of how I've taken yoga now, which is um, a deeper understanding of biomechanics, thanks to one of my teachers, Jules Mitchell, um, who's really expounded upon that and, and how important that is for strength and flexibility. But, you know, I've, I have, I've lived, I've lived in a lot of different countries and I uh, feel really fortunate that each time I've moved, I've, I've been able to sort of reinvent myself, so to speak. Um, but one thing that has remained completely stable is, is my love for, for wellness in general and just how that has continued to evolve as I've evolved and gotten older be 49 this year so um you know as 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 the body changes and as you know women's health uh, which hasn't always had a light on it as that has become um you know much more examined these days it's really an exciting time to be in the wellness industry mm -hmm. so um you mentioned um you know at one point you were doing acro yoga a lot of more um i would say you know intense physical aspect of yoga and I know um, when I met you initially five six years ago I met you to do the restorative yoga training so that yeah. is very different than acro yoga <laughs> and I remember it's funny because I had made a post on my I think my Instagram after the training where um, I had a picture of myself in like a supine twist with all the props and then next to it was a picture of me doing a handstand and I had the the <laughs> post was something about like you know restorative yoga and your comment was like the handstand is not exactly restorative. Anyways, I just thought it was kind of funny because I remember that. But they're very different, right? I mean, doing handstands and doing an acro yoga type of practice or even a vinyasa type of practice is very different than what you're currently, um, you know, the restorative and sustainable somatic yoga. So um, did you feel in yourself a shift to um, doing more of the active vinyasa type of practice to wanting to teach and learn more of the restorative, sustainable somatic type of yoga? Well, I was fortunate enough to have a really influential and, and wonderful teacher, um, Leanne Carey, um, almost more than 10, about 10 years ago, I guess, um, and, and started doing teacher trainings and immersions uh, through her program. So I was teaching teachers um, restorative and, and other, other segments. And what I learned from that experience was um, really invaluable. In addition, I learned, um, that the pedagogy that, you know, the style of learning and education that I really respect and admire is one that comes from inquiry. And I think that is the perfect definition of how my journey has been. Um, instead of feeling um, that I need to hold rigid to specific ideas of what a practice should be, I've been able to adapt my practice and my teaching with how I've been changing and growing and learning and being able to, at different phases in my life, relate to different types of students. And it's been an incredible growth journey in that regard. And I think while I still have appreciation for, for the acroyoga or the stronger practices, 
um, I had a physical um, injury, which pretty much completely, you know, I had to do a 180. Um, I ended up with frozen shoulder. And um, not only just in one shoulder, but it was bilateral frozen shoulder. So, I mean, if you, if, if anyone out there is not familiar with it, um, the technical term is adhesive capsulitis. So it's inflammation of the shoulder joint. And even after having an MRI and seeing there's no other tissue damage, it's just inflammation. I began to realize for me that it was change of hormones and stress related. And so the combination of those two things, um, instead of, uh, and I, I was hoping for an actual injury. <laughs> I was like, because you know what it is and you know how to treat it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's know how to treat this. Let's, let's have it concrete. But it wasn't, it was, you know, it was so ironic because I was, um, I had just moved to Canada where it's freezing in the winters. I mean, how ironic is that? You know, and that, that's when it became exasperated. I mean, literally frozen. And so um, everything had to change. Everything had to shift. I was teaching only verbally. So I couldn't demonstrate or lift my arms or, um, you know, do anything. So it was, it was such a um, hard and yet wonderful learning experience. And it's certainly, I think, right, our experiences and time because who we are as teachers. And so being able to um, tap into what's really and be true to what's really happening to me um, and be able to adapt to that, I think has hopefully made my, what I have to offer students a little more authentic. Amazing. I just love your story. And um, so I know that you moved from Canada to then Santa Fe. Yeah. <laughs> so very different. And, and I'm still, every time I think about you and, and all your experiences, I just, I feel so inspired by you because you've adapted um, along the way so much. And, um, and something that you and I spoke about before we jumped into this podcast was you actually picked your words for health and wellness as compassionate leadership. And I think, um, both words are, are really great words, but, um, I think the word compassionate has so much meaning, especially for you and your, your own personal journey. So can you speak to us a little bit about what compassionate leadership really means for you? Yeah, um, absolutely. I've, I've really kind of, since you mentioned it, I've been really going back and forth and, and, and the leadership component was really an addition. Um, as I've, as I've really taken a look at individuals, like much like you, you've, you've gotten the opportunity to interview people that you really admire and have fun with. And, you know, it's, it's been like your own journey as well. Um, that's kind of how I look at, at what I've been doing and how I seek out relationships and connections and how important that is to me in my life. And so in the end, I, you know, I, I don't want to be someone who just has done this, this, and this, and has led these different things, but it, the manner in which I do it makes a really big difference to me. And oh, I feel like I'm going to cry, but like, you know, you're going to make mistakes and stumble and, you know, <clears throat> yeah. you know, so many lessons to learn. 
And at the end of the day, you just have to give it back to yourself, a sense of compassion, mm-hmm. and then be able to offer it. Yeah. And that's where it's at, right? Yeah. And I think you have to, first and foremost, offer that sense of compassion and empathy towards yourself before you can really offer it up to other people. I think that's, that's very important. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, whether, um, whether you realize, you know, I had, I recently had a, um, a working relationship with someone and we've decided that that's not working out so well. And we really want to continue to maintain a relationship. So how do we do that? And what does it look like? And, and we had a discussion about it and, and we settled on the word compassion and that we felt like the closure contained that compassion. And, you know, I'll be the first one that I'm certainly not, that's, it's, it's really that word because that's what I want. It doesn't mean that's what I already have, you know? So I think sometimes we think, we have to embody, you know, these things all the time, but it's a work in progress, you know, yeah. The, yeah. the way, the way to deal with change is to understand that it's a process. Yeah. So everything that we're going through right now, and even before now, it's, it's out, you know, a little bit of uh, frustration or friction um, how do we, how do we refine ourselves? How do we prune what doesn't really make sense for us anymore? And yeah. then, and the key ingredient to that, right, is, is to have compassion. Um, because, you know, um, if it doesn't work one way, then you try another way and you try another way. And <laughs> but it is going, a process. Right? It's a it's process. A process. And it's interesting because I just recorded another podcast episode yesterday. And one of the things, and I write notes whenever I do podcast recordings. And one of the things I wrote and underlined was trust the process. And even um, five, six years ago, when I was going through yoga teacher training, that was kind of the underlying theme is that it's all a process and there's going to be up. It's all you know, part of the process. And, um, and I think that's, that's really beautiful. And I want to, um, I, I want to shift into talking about one thing that I think is amazing that you do, and it's the caregivers retreat uh, for Alzheimer's. And I think it's so important. And I always wanted to hear your story um, as far as how you got started. Just, and um, can you speak to us about, about that? Yeah. The, um, I, I run a retreat for caregivers of Alzheimer's and other dementia, and it's called Caregiver Wellness Retreat. Um, we started in Houston six years ago, so we've run five of them in Houston. When I moved to Calgary, we started them there, and this year would have been our third one um, at the end of this month that we chose to cancel. And uh, we also added two more this year. I, I filed for 501c3 nonprofit status and got that in December. Well, congratulations. So Thank you. I know. So we forged <laughs> forward with, with two more retreats, one in Park City, Utah, in conjunction yeah. with the Jewish Family Services there. And um, mm-hmm. we postponed that one as well so that they can focus on immediate relief for their communities. But it's postponed, so we'll do it again. And then Santa Fe, this will be our first year, I hope, in October. 
but we'll see. <laughs> and, and I'm very excited to report that we are going to move it online. So I am in the last stages of um, working with an amazing um, web designer that I've worked with for years who has helped us pull together from 10 different speakers from all of our different retreats, um, different slices of wellness. And we have everything from music therapy to um, uh, horticulture therapy to mindfulness to uh, other forms of meditation to movement. So it's all in about 10 minute segments over mm -hmm. 10 days. So very digestible for a caregiver. But I'll go back to your question, <laughs> which was why um, mm -hmm. my stepmom had early onset Alzheimer's. My dad was her caregiver for more than 10 years. And um, as you alluded to, I've lived elsewhere. So I've never lived where he is until now. So um, I was never able to actually do anything hands-on or help during the process of his caregiving. But I would come and visit and I would watch the toll that it took on him. And I would also watch my stepmom's uh, decline. So both of those, those paths to watch were really pretty awful um, and, and confusing. I think when you're not in the day-to-day -day of caregiving and you're really not um, seeing the decline over the days and how little it is, but you're only seeing it, you know, after a few months and you see how dramatic the shifts are in both people, the care, the caregiver and the person with dementia, it can be pretty shocking. And so I really had a lot of empathy for what my dad was going through. He's not interested in yoga. So <laughs> when we, when we started these, our, our idea was, it's not a yoga retreat. It's really a one day wellness retreat. How can we, first of all, get the caregiver to begin to recognize who they were before they were labeled caregiver? What did they love to do? Mm -hmm. um, and then help them cultivate skills for self-awareness mm -hmm. so that they could start to make these changes back toward what they were excited about. Mm -hmm. And then bring together, right, people of, of similar situations, right? All caring for someone with dementia um, and create a sense of community. Um, rather than dementia education, we really focus on the absolute wellness of the caregiver, so. I think that's so amazing. And I definitely think that it, it really does go back to your words for health and wellness, um, you know, the compassionate leadership. I think as a caregiver, you have to have compassion for yourself first uh, before you can have compassion, empathy for the person that you're caring for. Mm -hmm. And I think it's such an important, um, um, important thing to really note. And I think it's just so amazing that you, um, you took it upon yourself to develop and start these retreats for these people, because I think it's very important. Um, so, yeah, it's been an incredible and really fascinating journey. I get, I get probably, I don't know, a couple of calls a month of people wanting to know how, how we do it, where, you know, where do you get your money? Yeah. <laughs> I want to do one like that. Um, uh, and so I've, I've done a little bit of obviously free consulting. Um, I'm really <laughs> happy for people to do, to do these types of things. And it isn't, isn't for ever, large events are not for everyone. Um, I really enjoy doing things kind of full on. Um, <laughs> but I also have a lot of respect for, 
it can be it can be much simpler. It doesn't have to be complicated. We're right now we're doing um, you know after switching gears of not being able to see our caregivers, and um, we're doing caring for a caregiver. So actually making calls. Um, so each volunteer has offered to call a couple of caregivers once a month, and I just got an email from a volunteer saying my caregiver would really like me to talk to them every week. Are you okay with that? I'm like, uh, yes, mm -hmm. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> you know, so, and, and her, her comment was, this is helping me too. That's great. And, and That's great. It, you know, that is just so beautiful because it's, it's um, given us a, an extra arm to, to be able to hold them in, in their isolation mm -hmm. um, and also because we're isolating we have an opportunity to understand a little bit more about what they experience every day not in a mm -hmm. pandemic mm -hmm. so right well i mean we've all had to adjust and evolve and, and change because of what's going on right now around us and in the world um but i mean i think in general just with uh your wellness retreats um that i mean that you've trusted yourself and you've trusted the process and so I'm sure that has also evolved over the years that you've been doing this. It definitely has evolved and sometimes I wonder um, when I either a when can I retire <laughs> or, or b uh, you know how do I how do I not work quite so hard and uh, I think that's probably um, maybe many people that are listening uh, a struggle they're they're going with you know wanting to do something well and the amount of time and energy that that doing something well takes and kind of like um i think it's elizabeth gilbert said that 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 um uh done is better than great uh sometimes you just have to be okay with good or good enough yeah and uh and certainly some areas in my life i'm like that oh, Good enough. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> well, I think it's hard because, I mean, there is so much that we want to do, especially for those of us who are in um, fields of our career that is about helping people. I mean, um, especially, you know, like when I speak about myself, it's like there's so much I want to do for my patients, but so much I want to do for myself and so much I want to do for the community. It's like, how do you find um, balance in it all? And, you know, for you doing the caregiver wellness retreats, but also being a yoga teacher and doing all your workshops and your retreats. I mean, how do you personally find the balance to do it all? Uh. You know, I think balance as a principle is not balance in a single day or even in a single week. Mm -hmm. It's over a season. Mm -hmm. So it takes a lot of pressure off. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to be like, I don't have to have all my stuff together to be, to, to do this as a mom and a wife and a, you know, and a caregiver and all, I don't have to like in a day, that doesn't make any sense. Sometimes in a week, it doesn't even make any sense. Mm -hmm. But if I can have a longer term view and realize the impermanence of it all, right. Everything is always going to be shifting and changing. Right. And can I be okay with that? Mm -hmm. um, the other, the other way that, that I try to balance, I, I read a, a book that really changed my perspective on, um, 
actually there's two uh, that changed my perspective on on how I work. One one was I read this uh, more than 15 years ago, the four hour work four hour work week. Have you ever read that? It's a quick book, quick read. My biggest takeaway from that was outsource what what is it, what you are not best at. So recognize your strengths and make your strengths stronger. I think we always think we have to shore up our weaknesses and try to get better at that or be all things to all people. Mm-hmm. And instead I'm like, I'm not going to learn that. Who can do that for me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who can I delegate that to yeah. and, and farm it out and call it a day. And um, then it frees up my time to be able to focus on the things that I really love. Mm-hmm. Um, the other book that, that I read that really um, absolutely shifted my perspective is, is called Deep Work. And it's, it's how do you have that focused time? Um, I think another, uh, another author coined it as being in a flow state. Um, how, do you, how do you even carve out time to be in a flow state? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's challenge. Um, and for me, Whenever something becomes no longer non-negotiable, that's when you know that you've made it a habit. So when you like th- think about something you do every day, for me, it's, I, I always, without fail, I, I don't forget to drink a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, I'm using a silly example, but right? Like it's become so ingrained. It's not a chore to do. I don't have to carve out time to do it. I don't even think about it. I do it. And so whatever it is that you're really hungering to do or that you're like, wow, that's, I I sure wish I could do that. Well, why can't you? Mm -hmm. Something else has to go and you have to practice or repeat it so much that it no longer becomes a decision that you have to make. It just is, you just do. Yeah. So, and that, and that I think has been really helpful to me and, um, and there are many things that I would still like to carve out time for and just haven't. And right. And it just means that it's not as high on the priority list as the, as the things that I, I, I say yes to without even thinking about. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing those two books. I definitely can always um, stand for reading more. more I don't mean to but, add to your uh, library. <laughs> no, but I love it. And I think um, at the, I think it was at the restorative yoga training, you had mentioned uh, some of Titnyat Han's uh, small little books, the uh, oh. parallax books, and they're so amazing. I have them too. <laughs> it's on my bookshelf. Okay. So, so the one that, the one that I, that I, that I talk about all the time is how to love. Mm-hmm. Which, which I have it. <laughs> yeah, I do too. We're here by my side. But this is this is the one that I'm going through now. It's how to fight. I have that too. <laughs> and actually, I hadn't started uh, reading that, but I have is how to relax. I do have how to fight somewhere around here that I was going to start reading too. But yeah. Tanyan Han is one of my favorites. Um, he's a Zen Buddhist monk, for those of you who don't know, and he's all about um, uh, mindfulness. And so um, he has these little books that are quick reads, and they're like little snippets that you can like read a passage a day, or just like read a passage um, whenever you feel like you need a little bit of inspiration. And um, and it's it's, it's just a quick read and something that you can just like read a passage and just think about it. Um, but yeah, those are the books that, um, and I love Titian Han, but <coughs> excuse me, one of those books was um, the Parallax books were the, was the ones that you had recommended and I really enjoy reading them. Yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah. What I, I've been reading a lot lately, um, John O'Donohue uh, is fantastic. 
and um, he's passed away uh, a few years ago. Um, but his writing is so profound and um, David White. So those, those two have been my sort of staples. They take a, an everyday word or everyday topic and ex, you know, expand it to a, such a relatable experience. Great. Well, I'll definitely have to look into them. Um, <laughs> well, I could talk to you for like forever, but um, we are running out of time and I want to give you the opportunity to share with our listeners how they can contact you and follow up with you, um, you personally, your website and the caregivers retreat as well. Sure. Um, uh, my husband and I have a yoga website, Pranava Yoga Studio. Um, P-R-A-N-A-V-A yoga and it's dot studio rather than dot com. Um, we have a little yoga space here in Santa Fe for when we're able to meet in person again. Um, and uh, my husband and I both teach um, uh, similarly. He does yoga nidra uh, immersions and I do restorative yoga immersions and gentle yoga immersions. Um, and then I also have the caregiver website, which is caregiverwellnessretreat.com. There's no S on caregivers. So caregiverwellnessretreat.com. And we run five retreats um, now. So four physically and one virtually. And our virtual retreat should be out uh, end of May or sooner, I hope. And I'm very, very excited about that. And those retreats are completely free. Um, we will be offering the online one also free, or if you wish to donate, you can help donate and offset our costs for putting it online. <laughs> but we're excited about the online aspect because um, I realized that we can probably reach, um, you know, it's a whole, a whole big wide world out there on the, on the internet. So very excited to reach more caregivers who probably wouldn't be able to come physically, so. Well, thank you, Melissa, so much for sharing your time with us today. And I definitely um, love your words for health and wellness, compassionate leadership. I definitely think that we can all stand for um, a little bit of a compassion these days, but um, you definitely exemplify the leadership aspect of it. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wish Well podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe and follow along every week for new episodes. You can find us on Instagram at wishwell.health and at our website, wishwell.health.blog. Until next time, I wish you health and I wish you wellness. Thank you.